Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. 134 in Edmonton. This text comes in. Bob, Twitter and all the bloggers surely know what's best for the Edmonton Oilers. Journalism is dead. That one comes to us from David. Well, Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Case in point, the conversation Elliot myself had. I believe that we have seen in the National Hockey League that teams can turn down their fortunes and turn things around in a year. You know, you can make an argument. You look at the order season, well, they're a little bit healthier on defense, didn't derail themselves trading away a couple forwards, maybe they would have been in a different scenario. However, you can make the argument the other way and say, what are the chances that they're going to have McDavid and Dreisaitl completely healthy for an entire season? Look at Colorado. Who saw Colorado taking a quantum step forward two years ago? I know I didn't. Two years ago, we all thought the Edmonton Oilers at the start of the 2017-18 season were going to be the favorite to win the West. They didn't even make the playoffs. Let's go to Jim on line number one. Uh, Jim, what do you got? Hey, Bob. Good. Uh, Bob, I'm not surprised at all what Vegas did. I think it was really smart on their part to do that. Yep. Now, as far as the orders go, I still I still like, I mean, Ken Holland, I'm not going to say yay or nay, but I still like the combination somehow of Hunter and Gretzky. I believe those two are very talented and deserve an opportunity. Okay. I think we really need to go out of the box when we do this and do it right. Well, I mean, a lot of the listeners would say that Keith Gretzky is not going outside the box, that he's a Gretzky. How would you respond to that? No, I don't think he's proven the last couple of months. He's, he's his own man. He's not aggressive. He's not part of the so-called group. Uh, so he's not even close. I think he's done a great job. And I think Eric Hunter somehow has got to be in, in, involved in the Oilers. And if they get those two, I don't care which position, who has what, but if they can get those two working together, I think we'll be a lot better off. Thanks for the call, Jim. Uh, we're going to blast through some calls and texts here. we got about five minutes uh, before we get an update out of the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings uh, with Jamie Porter, their head scout. What is going on with this computer? We are going to go to Travis, who's in Kalmar in line number one. Travis, how are you? Hey, Bob. Um, just wanted to, uh, I think I called a while ago talking about how Strom, you said about Poirier and Strom, um, who will be better. Strom seems to be lighting it up right now. But I have one more subject to uh, talk about, and that's about uh, po- or, uh, uh, Milan Lucic. What do you think about... Uh, there possibly being a three-way deal where we retain two million, and then we trade Arizona. They retain two and get receive a prospect for it, and then he moves to Vancouver for like the last two million uh, times four. Maybe we give up Benning to do that deal or something. Uh, so you're saying you give up? Well, where does Benning go? Arizona. So it's a three-way deal you do, and uh, say we give up Yamamoto. Uh, for the Arizona to retain two million of the rest of that yeah. contract, I don't, we retain two million. I, I don't like, like make it. Yeah, I would not do no. I would not if you're going to give up Yam. There's there's an extenuating circumstance why Yamamoto's been out for a while. It's likely to get clarified shortly. 
he had a tough year. He was dealing with a wrist injury virtually all season. Um, no, I would not, you know, include Yamamoto to dump Millet. Like, I get what you're saying. I would move a pick. I don't know if that'd be enough for another team to take. I mean, some people would say, why don't you just trade, uh, you know, Lucic for Erickson? And I don't know if either of the two teams would do that, to be honest with you. But, Travis, thank you for the call, okay? Let's go to K-Jam on line number two. K-Jam, how are you? Doing good, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Uh, squeeze in some calls here. Hey, real quick, the the, the way that I I kind of see Ken Holland coming in, if Keith Gretzky were to stay, it sounds to me sort of like Ken Holland is uh, expensive. I would, I would have to assume it's expensive. Mentoring and uh and and leadership for for Keith Gretzky. This could honestly be almost like Keith Gretzky is GM with oversight. It almost might be more like a president of hockey operations type style because I think that really they want Keith Gretzky. And I and I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just an optics thing. And I think that this might be their solution around the optics. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, thanks for the call, KJM. Uh, you're not the first person to suggest that as a scenario. Uh, Haas says, uh, he's Texas show, Ryan Strom seems to be lighting it up right now. Where is that on the golf course? Strom scored 18 goals after leaving the Oilers. Um, that trade 20 games into the season. Edmonton was 9-8-1. Um, Strom and Kajula could have been useful top nine players for Edmonton if they're, you know, the, the combination of... There's lots of things that sort of over the course of the year, knocked the Oilers out of it. And then they, you know, once they were out of it, then that's when they dropped out of it. Hey, they didn't make the playoffs, and they did have career years from three players. So you can see it both ways. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Um, again, you can text us at 630, 6.30. Bob, you're right. Dale Talon built the team, but Stan Bowman ran with it from there. Uh... Regarding the Oilers, the team is only a few picks away from success. Well, I, I think that the Oilers have got to add significant speed to their flanks, and this is something that Colorado noticed that they needed to do as well. We will tell you that uh, Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more, Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Oilers need a really good backup goaltender. They need a different dimension on their defense. I've already stated, I believe, that we'll have four of the Oilers' six that basically play the last 25-plus games together. Four of those six back, but there will be some new D implemented in the mix. They're probably looking at at least six forwards. And people will say, well, you can't make that many changes. St. Louis did. St. Louis brought in five or six new forwards on a team that missed the playoffs by one point. So... And it's obvious we're going to have a new GM as well. 140 in Edmonton. Jamie Porter is the head scout for the director of scouting for the Edmonton Oil Kings. The WHL Bantam draft uh, ran yesterday. We'll get to uh, Jamie for a quick conversation when we return in Oilers Now. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. In Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stopper with you on Oilers Now. We're going to uh, briefly divert away from the Edmonton Oilers, talk a bit about the Edmonton Oil Kings. They had a terrific year this year, went three rounds of the playoffs. And at the start of the year, I thought they could win 30 or 35 games max out of 68. 
which was a drop from four games in the regular season, and uh, they exceeded those expectations. Jamie Porter is their uh, director of scouting, and the WHL Bantam draft took place yesterday. First of all, Jamie, just before we get to uh, the uh, the draft itself, just to comment on the season that was uh, in your wildest dreams when you came aboard here, did you envision your group having that type of success and winning the Central Division, winning 40-plus games this year? No, I no, definitely not. I mean, uh, coming over from another organization and learning my way around here a little bit, I thought the team's goals should be, you know, fighting for a playoff spot, being in competitive games late in the year. But uh, we continue to take steps. Uh, a couple of trades really worked out, and uh, the team had a really high level of buy-in. Uh, you came over from Swift Current, right? Yes. So the last two years you've had seven rounds of playoffs. Not bad. Uh, is there any way to – how difficult is it – the WHL Bantam draft is 14-year-old kids. How difficult is it to assess a player at 14? Well, I mean, there's a lot of variables that come into play. Growth, um, where are they at as a player now compared to later on with their, their peer group. Um the distractions of everyday life, um, going to high school. I mean, there's a lot of variables that will affect the player, not just the fact that he actually has to be able to play. You, you, you inherited a situation when he came aboard with Kurt Hill with this Oil Kings organization where, you know, the Oil Kings, they suffered for a couple of years. They finished uh, dead last last season. Uh, they ended up getting the number one pick, Dylan Gunther. They had five first-round picks over a three-year run, three of which – were impl- implemented in part of your team this year, but they got two more coming here, uh, Gunther and Keegan Slaney, that'll be a part of things uh, uh, full-time next season. Maybe uh, just a quick update on, because I know you would have seen those kids during the year. How? What sort of progression did you see uh, with the two first-round picks that you guys had uh, last spring? Yeah, both guys had solid seasons. I mean, uh, Dylan was here in the Edmonton area playing for NAX, and, and uh, Keegan was down in Calgary at the edge. Uh, we had both players in for the playoff run, uh, so they were practicing every day with our uh, our Black Ace group. Um, yeah, the progression of their of their seasons is solid. Uh, we think they both have a real chance to to play next year. Uh, certainly, compete for jobs otherwise. Yeah. But I mean, we are fairly deep now, prospect wise. Like you said, uh, the teams had a number of picks the last couple of years, and those two previous drafts are very solid. There's been a lot of uh, progression along those prospects and. You know, that was kind of what took some of the pressure off us in this draft. Uh, and, you, you know, a couple of those guys, Matthew Robertson, a potential first-round pick in this year's draft. And I just want to get a thought on Jamie Porter joining us from the Edmonton Oil Kings, Jake Neighbors, who really elevated come the playoffs this year for you. He's a uh, 2020 NHL pick, uh, really showed some growth and maturation as the season went on, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I mean, Jake had a, had a solid start this season. He had an excellent under-17 out in New Brunswick. And when he come back to us, uh, you know, he got banged up a little bit, got himself suspended once also. Took him off track maybe a little bit, but nothing uh, to worry about. And then he had a phenomenal playoff. You know, he was a player that elevated himself along with several others in the playoff run. And now you can see where where he's going to go in the next few years. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about this year's WHL Bantam draft. The Oil Kings obviously winning the Central Division. You guys had the 18th overall pick. You took Caleb Reimer out of uh, Delta, uh, British Columbia. Just uh, tell us about this centerman. Well, you know, Caleb is a big body. You know, he's over six foot two. He needs to fill out. Uh, he's quite skilled for a bigger man, skates well. Uh, you know, we, we project him to play a power forward type. 
Uh, you know, look, maybe a net front guy on the power play, possibly. Um, he's played with skilled guys where he's been before, so we know he has the, has the means to do that. And with the skill group that we have, we really didn't have a big power forward guy besides Jake Neighbors in our in, our, in the cupboard for us, and so this was uh, an ideal situation. Left or right shot? Right shot. Yeah, uh, right shot, center, love it. Ross Stanley, <laughs> you took him in the second round. Uh, he's uh, from the uh, Edmonton area. Yeah, Ross plays at uh, OHA Edmonton, Bantam Prep. He's from, uh, they're from somewhere outside of uh, Edson. They live in the Yellowhead County. Okay. So, um, you know, Ross is, uh, is a solid two-way defenseman. He's a very good defender. But there's an offensive upside to him, too. You know, we got to spend the season playing with uh, Keaton Dehanyak, uh, Logan's brother. So, I mean, he's played with good guys. Um, he knows when to look after things for his partner. At the same time, he can lead the rush himself. So it's kind of an ideal jack-of-all-trades guy. Director of Scouting Edmonton Oil Kings, Jamie Porter, joining us in Oilers now. You took a goalie in the third round. And let me ask you this. Are goaltenders, you know, do you, do you, in the NHL, you don't see a lot of goalies go high, you know, sort of the second rounds when we see the running goaltenders. Though this year, Spencer Knight, many people think, will go sort of 15 to 20 in the NHL draft. Do teams in the Western League take, tend to take goalies a little bit later as well? Yeah, different uh, programs have different philosophies. Uh, we've been of the mindset, that, and where I worked before was of the mindset that probably every second year or so you should take a guy a little bit earlier. That way you control the prospect that you're going to acquire. You know, when you do it later on, you kind of get what's left there. You know, there's always no more than probably 15 or 20 in each year. We were um, surprised that Colby was still there when we were picking in the third probably wasn't part of our plan initially but it was uh, kind of an audible at the table he was the number one goaltender on our list uh, we have good goaltending and, and depth in the organization adding to it's never a bad thing it's nothing worse than you know having no goaltending when you have a pretty good team yeah well you know the old saying right pat burns goaltending 70 percent of hockey unless you don't have it then it's 100 percent of hockey uh, definitely yeah. Uh, so you mentioned Ross Stanley is a five foot ten defenseman, and again, we're talking fourteen year old kids. Everybody, you know, grows at different rates. I mean, I was five ten and a half at fourteen, and uh, I'm five ten and four chins now. So uh, William, he's another defenseman, five foot eleven, one hundred and seventy pounds. Is there like the NHL where we're seeing that smaller demon can play? Is there less concern with drafting defensemen that are a little bit? you know, undersized at this age, or are you factoring in looking at the parents and that sort of thing, because you get that kind of information. But uh, tell us about first, you know, is there a hesitation with taking smaller defensemen? And secondly, tell us a bit about William Lee, uh, Yee. Well, I think in the first part, it, it also depends upon the style of the, of the defenseman. You know, I, I'm not sure that I would be a fan of a five foot eight or five foot nine stay-at-home defensive defenseman who's got to protect the net front. Yep. But when you've got an offensively skilled guy who can move well and thinks well and, and doesn't put himself in bad situations, which William Yee does, then it's a little bit different. You know, if there's a little bit more growth, I mean, great. But, I mean, I think he's close now to being able to, to run a power play in the Western League in a few years. Um, you know, for a skilled guy like that, as long as he can stay out of bad situations, like I said, he should be fine. I think with smaller D now in the league, you know, the one thing is is whether they can, you know, handle a forecheck, take a little bit of physical punishment. But uh, and I've also had a previous boss and Manny Vivero say that, 
it's just a lot easier when you have bigger D. So you got to be careful about what you've got. Well, and uh, Prince Albert had a big defense in their matchup against you guys. All right, switching focus here. What do you say to, you know, and, and I'm going to go back to the 2002 draft in the NHL when uh, Upshaw went sixth and Lupul went seventh in that draft year. Neither of those guys was drafted in the WHL Bantam draft. Uh, Jay Bomeister went third that year. He was the number one pick. So there's the range. Um, you know, Jake DeBrusque was an eighth-round draft choice that went in the first round of the NHL draft. It's not the end of the world if uh, you're, you know, you're not going in the first round of the WHL draft, is it? No, not at all. I mean, it, it's an important time for the franchise. You know, it's important for all the teams in the league. But at the same time, it is just a point in time. And players change so rapidly at this age that, you know, the examples you gave are perfect. I knew what Lupa looked like in that Bantam draft year, and he grew in that next 18 months. I'm the one who drafted Jake DeBrusque in Swift Current a number of years ago, and I still have a picture of him on my phone when he looks like he's six years old. He sounded like it. Two and a half years later, he was playing for us. That comes into play a little bit. I mean, you can take a chance on some guys like that later on and then make you look like a genius. But with the with the first few picks, it's more about you know what they are now and what you can see because there's a possibility that they're going to be in your lineup a lot quicker. And then those later guys, you can buy them some time for a couple of years and allow them to develop and grow. All right. And on that note, I mean, Jay Bomeister back uh, in the WHL Bantam draft. People have been talking about him since he was 12 because he used to skate with the Golden Bear alumni, and he was better than them when he was 12. Uh, so everybody knew he was a consensus number one, and we have a guy this year that was pretty special as well. Now, obviously, you were nowhere near in position to draft him, but uh, uh, just just a thought on, uh, you know, uh, back to, and I know Brendan's got a connection to the older brother as well, uh, but... When you have a player like that that has that's you know might challenge as an example a, an example rule to play right away, does change the complexion of the makeup of things, doesn't it? it? It does. I mean, when you have a player of that skill set and looks like he's ready to play now, I mean it does change things. I mean you've got to as an organization you've got to look and see whether you have a spot for him almost immediately and, and at the same time as a league, you want those players to get in there as soon as possible for the fan base. Well, I mean, Dylan Gunther, could he have played this year for you? He scored three goals in eight games in the regular season, Jamie. Yeah. You know, I mean, Dylan would have been close. I mean, I think over a whole season it probably would have got a little bit tougher for him physically and you wear down a bit. Yeah. But, I mean, he also came in for us in the playoffs and, and, and had a couple of good games for us. But you've got to put the player in a situation that, that is positive for him also. I mean, he has to be able to succeed. When they're this age, you know that their confidence is a big factor, as it is when your player gets older, I guess. And you need to be careful that you put him in situations where he's going to be able to grow as well as help the team. Jamie, great stuff. Thank you for your time. Okay, thanks, Bob. You bet. And that was Matt Savoy who we were talking about. Uh, all right, let's go to this day at 154 in Edmonton. This day in Oilers history as we wrap up the Friday edition of Oilers now. Maybe I'll be working this weekend. Let's go to the state Oilers history. What have we got here, Brendan? On this day back in 1988, Bob, Wayne Gretzky picked up three assists to lead the Oilers to a 4-1 win over the visiting Detroit Red Wings in Game 1 of the Campbell Conference Finals. The teams combined in this one for 82 penalty minutes. I know exactly where I was. Fox Creek, Alberta, listening to Rod Phillips call that game. I'm serious. Had to go to a high point up there. We were uh, deep in the bush. 
and uh, had to drive the truck and get to a high point on a logging road in order to hear the game. Um, well, for all of you that are going to be a part of the ATB event tomorrow at River Cree, look forward to seeing you then. Who knows? Maybe we'll have some more action over the Mark Specter certainly made things interesting. What has the uh, mega-talented Reed Wilkins got coming up tonight on Inside Sports? Looks like a fluid show as we stand right now. Okay, there you go. Undoubtedly, John Shannon from NHL Hockey on Rogers will be joining us Monday. He might have something to say about the GM position. For all of you that participated in today's interactive elements of today's show, thank you. Including to those of you that disagreed with me. It's all good, man. We'll leave you with the tragically hip. Up next, a news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nine. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.